Good morning, Hope Church. Thanks for joining us on our second Advent Sunday, our Advent Sunday of Hope. Um, we invite you to celebrate Advent with us, even through our even through our stream here, even at home. Um, and we just invite you into the hope that you have in the Lord, the hope that we have in the Lord today. Uh, I'm going to read for us our scripture, and then I'm going to pray over our time together. Um, we're going to be in Romans chapter 15, verse 13 today. And uh, so if you're reading along at home or or have a Bible or a phone that has the, the Bible on it, uh, please turn with me to that, if you will. Romans 15, 13, it says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much uh, for the hope that you offer us and the hope that you give us. Thank you for uh, the confidence we have, for the joy and the peace that are available to us because of you. And Lord, we just pray that today, um, through your word, uh, through our time together, um, that we walk away with a greater, more confident display of hope pouring out of our lives. Um, we walk away also with just an increased joy and peace uh, because of who you are for us. We thank you so much uh, for sending your son, uh, Jesus, for you being sent down here for us, uh, for being Emmanuel with us, and for loving us the way you do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, well, I might be an unfamiliar face. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Andrew Eaton. Uh, I am Jeff and Julie's son, but I'm also a pastor of a church that, that Hope Church has helped sponsor and plant in Lexington called Commonwealth City Church. And so it's my joy to always be with you guys on an Advent Sunday. Uh, we just started Advent at our church as well. And so I'm cheering, cheering Com Commonwealth on um, as they're doing Advent stuff but then also excited to join in with you today. And so we're going to be looking at this passage in Romans chapter 15. It's a familiar passage. Uh, you may have heard it before, um, but hopefully today it's one that really blesses your heart in the, in the way that it's blessed mine as we've, we've prepared for this message. Um, I want to invite us first and foremost to, if you're, in, your, if you're in, in the Word with me, in verse 13 is, is the one verse we're looking at, but to go back to verse 7. Verse 7, it says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. I think this is a great starting point for our text today. And the reason that I think it's a great starting point is because a lot of times these concepts that we're dealing with in our Advent season, peace and hope and love and joy, we agree that they are real and tangible things. But sometimes we think they apply to everybody but us. Sometimes we think that peace applies to all those other people that have it all together. Or that hope applies to people that maybe don't have as, as difficult a story as we do. Or, or, or love and joy, and I agree that that's achievable, but I just don't think that belongs to me. I think it's important for us to see verse 7 say that all people are welcomed in the exact same way um, as Christ has welcomed us. We're all welcomed. In fact, if you were to read the the rest of this chapter, before we get to verse 13, verses 8 through 12, you'll see um, Paul, the author of the book of Romans, talk about hope for the Gentiles. And he'll say this word over and over and over. He'll say the Gentiles, that they, um, that they know you, that, that you are glorified in the life of the Gentiles, and that the Gentiles find a hope in you. Um, we don't use the word Gentile very much, T. I don't know if you use the word Gentile very much in unless you just have a strong accent as the way you say gentle. You know, I'm not sure what part of the country 
you're from. But but Gentile is a word that we don't use very often, but a word we do use often are other nations or international people or, or people from other cultures. And, and the word Gentile, every time you see it in Scripture, every single time, you could instantly translate it in your mind as meaning everybody. That's just what it means. Gentiles mean everybody. You know, a long time ago, many, many years ago, God made a promise to the Jewish people, to his people. He said some things to them. He said, I'll, I'll be your God. Um, you will be my people. I will hear you. I will make a way for you. I will set you free. Like, I will be a redeemer for you. He makes this promise to his people. But then the rest of the story of the Bible goes to actually say that through the work of Jesus, that promise that God made to a small group is actually extended to everybody. And so when we see the term Gentiles, we're reminded that when it says in, in verse, you find it here, in verse 12, that in him will the Gentiles hope, what, what the Bible is really saying is in, in the Lord, everybody is made to hope. So let's just go ahead and get rid of that mindset that says hope and joy and love and peace. They're for some people, but they're not for me. And let's agree that if the word of God is true, we believe it to be true, that hope is for you just as much as it's for anybody else. In fact, as we look at verse 13, it's one of the first things we see. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May the God of hope. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to understand our Lord as the God of hope? Well, I think it's some things we need to look at. First and foremost, we should recognize him as the author of hope. When it comes to hope, it was God's idea. When we think about um, situations that we face that are maybe confounding or confusing or seem like we'll never be able to overcome them, we'll never be able to have victory over them, let's recognize that while there are moments in my life that are difficult and hard to look at and to imagine overcoming, like we have an entire Bible full of those stories. We have an entire Bible full of... A, full of stories of, of a, a young man at the bottom of a thrown down a well from his brothers. And what, what does he have to look forward to? We have a, a story of, of a guy who's led millions of people out of Egypt that's standing before a sea with an Egyptian army crashing in on, on his tail or on their heels and, and nothing but water in front of them. We have the story of a young man who faces a literal giant for the for the success and the flourishing of his entire nation. And in the midst of all of those scenarios, Joseph deserted by his brothers, Moses before the Red Sea, and David facing Goliath. Who's the author of hope in those stories? Did they muster it up themselves? No, it's the Lord. Not only is he the author of hope, he's the initiator of hope. He's the one that says hope is not only his plan and his idea, but it's his first move. When it comes to the activity of hoping in the Lord, who's the one that takes the first step? It's always him. When it came to Moses, he, he said what? Hold out your staff and the waters will part. When he talks to David, he says, approach that battlefield confidently. Pick up five stones. You, know, don't, you don't have to wear armor. Like Approach with the confidence in the Lord. When it came to a guy named Elijah, he says, you're, you're trying to have a contest um, to see which God is more powerful. That altar you're going to set on fire, soak it in water and watch me show up. He's the initiator of hope. Thirdly, he's the fulfillment of hope. He, in him, all hope is fulfilled. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that 
every promise of God finds its yes, not in the outcome that we're hoping for or that we might think we want, but all of the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. He is the fulfillment of hope. And then lastly, he's the one that guarantees our hope. How do we know that Jesus guarantees our hope? Because he defeated death. Think of the most, I don't know what the most hopeless scenario you can think of is, but for me, it would have to be with a guy that for 30 years, walked 33 years, walked on planet Earth, claiming to be God, is dying on a cross. That seems like a pretty hopeless moment. But yet it wasn't hopeless, was it? God wasn't out of control. He wasn't lacking power. And we can trust that the same God that guarantees hope for us does it because of the work of Jesus. We go on in verse 13. May the God of all hope do what? Fill you with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you might abound in hope. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say that the God of all hope gives us what we long for. How many of us have faced situations that we have in our minds a predetermined outcome of what we want? Sometimes I think of it this way. Have you ever gone to a party or hung out with some friends or even family and I don't care if you're eating pizza or chocolate pie. If they put it on the table, your mind immediately goes to the piece that you want for yourself. Does it not? Like I, I want the, when it comes to like a piece of pizza, I don't want the one with the big crust bubble. You know what I'm talking about? It's like that has invaded on my toppings, right? Like I want the one with the most toppings, with the best balance of cheese and sauce. And I pre like that's my piece. And if somebody else reaches for that piece, I might not say anything, but I'm kind of sad because that's the piece that I want. When it comes to different things we face in life, we all have the piece that we think is best for us. We have the outcome that we think is most appropriate for us. We have the, the, the scenario written, the end of the story written, that we think serves us and those we care about the most. And it's ironic that the Lord here in, in, in his word doesn't say, may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace when you get your desired outcome, does he? He just says joy and peace in believing and trusting him. May he fill you with joy and peace that are independent of the scenario working out the way that you think it needs to work out. And if we were to dig a little bit deeper into the concept of joy and peace, we, we've seen those words before. Not only are they words we use for our Advent season, but in Galatians chapter 5, it says that they are fruit, fruit of the Spirit of God in our life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And what we have to recognize is that joy and peace don't show up in our lives because we flip a joy switch or we flip a peace switch and say, I'm going to choose peace today. I'm going to choose joy today. Joy and peace show up in our lives when we believe in the God of all hope. In fact, it even says this. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you believe in him, as you trust him. That I actually can have a satisfaction. I actually can have a, a, a fulfillment. I actually can have a treasure that I cherish, not in the outcome of my hope, but in the object of my hope. God doesn't want you to just love his promised outcomes. He wants you to love and to know him. And then what's the, what's the, the, where does that lead for us? So that we are 
filled with peace and joy and believing, so that, in order that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we also might abound in hope. Now, this seems a little confusing, so I'm going to try to unpack this for us today. Um, for our life to abound in hope, does it say that by the power of Andrew Eaton that we abound in hope? No, it doesn't. It says it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever tried to talk yourself into being hopeful, talk yourself into being peaceful, talk yourself into being joyful, talk yourself into being uh, selfless, or um, you know, talk yourself into being generous? It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because if, as much as you can talk yourself into those things, you can just as easily talk yourself out. When it comes to hoping for an outcome, the pessimist in us, which we sometimes call a realist, but the pessimist in us says, ah, yeah, but that might, not, that might not happen. That might not actually work in our favor. When it comes to seeking peace, you might say, ah, there's going to be things that I can't control. When it comes to, to joy, when, when it's up to us, the outcomes of peace and joy and hope and love, they don't stand much chance. But this verse reminds us that when it comes to living a life abounding in hope, it requires one really, really, really significant detail, that it's led by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, everywhere we go, we have the opportunity to steward the presence of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, what that means for you is that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, that you get the opportunity to own the responsibility of stewarding God's presence in your life and from your life every single place you are, whether that's at home, whether that's at work, whether that's with friends or family, or whether that's just with you in your own time, with your own, in your own mind, in your own thoughts, you have the opportunity to steward, to steward the presence of God. You know, sometimes I think that we think, um, sometimes I recognize that we think that because of our past experiences, because of stuff we've had to endure, because we've, you know, faced difficulty or faced suffering or faced hardship and it's not worked out the way we wanted. There's not been peace that we thought would be on the other side. There's not been the joy that we longed for. There's not been the thing that we hoped for. Sometimes I think we think that there are too, there's too much power in our experience and we're more formed by what we've experienced than by the Word of God. I want to encourage you today, church. Be a people that are more formed by what Jesus says about us than what we've experienced previously. This is a really important understanding because this verse invites us to say that for us to arrive at the outcome that our hearts are really made to live in, that we abound in hope, that we have to be people that are formed by the Holy Spirit, people that steward and, and um, are responsible in responding to him, people that orient our lives under the leadership and the lordship of Jesus. And if we do that, if we do that, what happens? Our hearts overflow with hope. The truth is, is that when we trust the power of the Holy Spirit and he births joy in us and peace in us, along with all the other fruit of the Spirit, love, kindness, goodness, faith, when he births those things in us, that the outcome is to the watching world, we become an incredibly hopeful people. We hope when other people would despair. We hope when other people would fear. We hope when other people would be anxious or worry or be pessimists. We hope not because we are trusting in, a, in, a, in a, the power of ourselves, because we're trusting in the power of the Spirit, and because we know 
the author, the initiator, the fulfiller, and the one that guarantees our hope as Christ. I want to end with this illustration. Um, I was reminded of this this week and thought it fit well with our time together today. In 1992, there were the Olympic Games in Barcelona, Spain. I remember this. I was seven years old. It's probably the first Olympics that I can remember watching. And uh, there was, I don't remember this specific thing happening, although I've seen videos of this time and again over the past few decades. But there was a British runner by the name of Derek Redmond. And Derek Redmond, I don't know that he was a favorite for the 400-meter race, uh, but he certainly was one that had high aspirations for finishing that race well and maybe even uh, winding up on a, on a metal platform at the end. And turning around maybe the second turn to about halfway through the race, um, he said he felt a tear and heard a loud pop in the back of his leg. In fact, he tore his hamstring and he went crumbling down onto the surface there on the track um, in Barcelona, Spain. When he saw this, his dad, who was in the stands, another British man, basically pushed all the security guards out of the way, hopped over the fence, came down to his son and picked him up. And I want to read to you what Sports Illustrated says um, from, from this event. He said to his son, you don't have to finish. You don't have to do this. And Derek said, yes, I do. And then his dad, Jim, said, well, then we're going to finish this together. Fighting off security men, the, the son's head sometimes buried in his father's shoulder, they stayed in Derek's lane all the way to the end. The crowd gasped, then it rose and howled, then it wept. Derek didn't walk away with a medal, but he walked away with an incredible memory of who a father was, who was of a father who, when he saw his son in pain and hardship, left his seat in the stands to help him finish the race. When we think about the Advent season, it is the ultimate recognition that God did not stay as a far-off spectator for us, that he came and joined the same race that we're running. He came as the form of a child born in Bethlehem that we sing songs about and celebrate and have nativity scenes in our houses and in our yards. But he didn't stay a child. He grew uh, up as a, as a man that followed the Lord, as a man that with joy pursued and endured the cross. And then not only pursued and endured the cross for our sin, but was victorious over death as he resurrected from the grave. But he still didn't leave us as orphans. He still didn't leave us as someone far off, distant, watching us. It says that when he uh, rose from the grave, grave and ascended into heaven, that he in turn gave us his spirit. So we have a God that's not just a spectator that rushes to us in our time of need. We have a God that in fact starts and finishes the race with us. He's an active participant. He runs it with us. If we really want to understand and apply the gospel, we actually recognize that he runs it for us. And he runs it for us so that when for us to be people of hope, we're not hoping in the outcomes we can achieve. We're hoping in the outcomes that he can achieve. Hope is the overflow of our worship in a peacemaking, joy-producing, actively involved, not far off, Emmanuel, God with us, God. So church, how are you hoping in the Lord today? What are you facing that you're convinced that might not happen for you. And what does it look like for you to lean in and for you to actually say, I'm not gonna trust in my own spirit to produce love and joy and peace and hope, but I'm gonna trust his. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for uh, just the truth of your word. We thank you for the promise um, 
and the fulfillment of your hope. We thank you that every promise has found its answer in you. Lord, we thank you for being a God that didn't stay far off and distant, um, but a God that joined us, that runs with us, and that runs for us. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.